Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we got our annual June episode of Giants Areas for Improvement. Um, so we're going to go each, we each have one offensive and one defensive thing. Um, hyper-focused, not like it, they got to block better. Um, everything. And, yeah, and, and say, you know, I'll, I'll save you the comment. We don't need to comment everything, we know. Um, Justin, everything. Hi. Bobby Skinner. The Giants need to improve in everything. This is a dumb episode. Not listening. No, you'll listen anyway, and we appreciate you. Hi. Um. Happy. Uh. Happy Friday. Next week is wait to early draft week, and then the week after that, we have a fun interview. Can we announce it, please? It's done. It's. It, I have it saved. Nothing's gonna happen to it, and it's gonna come out. But it's fun to announce things right before. It's Brandon Jacobs. Oh yes. Thank you. Um, it's it's I'm excited for people to listen to it. I think people will enjoy it a lot. Yes. So that's that's the end of hyping it up. But I but I was again, he was if there's one person from that 07 team that was like a realistic get, Brandon Jacobs was the one I, I always wanted to interview. So we got that done. Thanks to the license plate guy. So that'll be out in a week and a half from when you're listening to this. Um, um and the people that make stuff like that happen, Justin, before we get into areas of improvement, are guys like Joseph Rizell. Coach Rizel, who's actually Ooh. he's uh he trains NFL, you know college players going to the NFL and then when they're in the NFL, um check them out. Sean Kenny reminds me of uh was it Brian Kenny the yeah, guy on that's a name that's ESPN. familiar. Just Gabe, just Gabe by himself. One of my good friends from my old job name was Gabe, uh, big Buffalo Bills fan, and I haven't been working with him since the Buffalo Bills have gotten good, so he hasn't been able to brag every single week. And then David Caprini back. He's back, like the New York Giants are back. Mm. My uh, freshman football coach, it was uh, Coach Roselle. Not like Roselle, like I think our Patreon members, but Ro- Roselle. Does that make sense? There's no nope. Z. There's no Z in my my freshman football coach's last name. And uh, Coach Roselle went to patreon.com slash talking giants for $2 a month plus some other tiers. You get to hang out with us live while we watch watch the shows. You can watch the shows. And while we record the shows, Bobby Skinner, stickers, magnets, they're going to be in your possession. And two times a month, there are some shirt raffles. Win some shirts. Real deal. All right. All right, Justin, let's... Uh... Let's get into the Giants' areas for improvement. Everything. I went and actually listened to last year's. Mine was – you would think that yours might have been like hyper stat focus. I went on like a five-minute spiel like talking about the Giants running back in the, involved in the receiving game and just was listening stats, 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 stats. What was, what was mine? Because uh, you said running backs in the receiving game. Yeah. What was mine? You were a little more hyper focused on making more explosive plays. Okay. Well, I'm, well, spoiler alert, I'm not doing that this year, even though that is the number one priority, but I'm not doing that again because you hear it from me like every show. And then defense, it was like limiting, uh, you know, time on the field, like, you know, uh, you know, blitz and be more aggressive. Yeah. Spoiler alert, the Giants didn't do that either. 
because the Giants were like the best team at st- uh, best like red zone defense as far as stopping touchdowns in the NFL. But it's like that's hard to replicate year after year. But they did and replicate we, it, and we and we uh, saw some regression in the defensive overall. So here's where I'm going to look at on the offense: running the ball. Well, yeah, Bobby, that's an easy one, but specifically running the ball on the edges outside of the tackles and that's why having evan neal is is much more important than just protecting daniel jones it's why having a tight end who can block is important and bellinger we'll see how good he is as a rookie but it's it's why having you know a guy that can move in as like jeremiah hall can be uh, important so i have i do have some stats i'm not going to go as stat heavy as last year justin I went and looked at the ta- their Giants, you know, frequency, uh, you know, on the the A gaps, the B gaps, and then outside of, uh, on the edge. Um, so here were the numbers: the Giants ran to the right outside of the tackles seven percent of the time this year. That was the fifth lowest. They averaged three point five seven yards per carry, which was twenty fifth in the NFL. So uh, eight seventh or eighth worst. They ran uh, on the left side to, you know, the left end 5% of the time, which was the second lowest in the NFL. And they averaged 3.26 yards per carry, which was 28th in the NFL. Now, don't get me wrong. They were bad running everywhere else, too. You know, you know, the left B gap, uh, they were 29th in yards per carry. Right B gap, they were 29th in yards per carry. In the A gaps, they were 27th, you know, even though they had the sixth most frequency. Now... Part of that is that's the best way to create big plays in the run game is to get out on the edges. You know, you see the teams that run the wide zone. That's you've been hearing a lot about wide zone the past, you know, couple of years as, you know, the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, uh, uh, you know, like coaching tree branches out is that wide zone, wide zone, even guys who aren't part of that guys like Arthur Smith, you know, Kevin Stefanski, like, you know, getting that, getting into that wide zone. So why is that important is one, you have Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida. As your running backs, those are two fast guys. Saquon should be more explosive than he was last year coming off the injury. Those are two fast guys, and that's where they're going to do their most damage is out on, the, out on the corners. Get them open in space. Let them make guys miss. So I looked at the teams uh, that, that were the top three running to the right, specifically on the outside of the tackles. They're the Chiefs. The Vikings and the 49ers, those were the top three. So the Vikings, um, you know, that's, you know, very familiar with, you know, Dalvin Cook. You know, they still run a a form of what they did with Kevin Stefanski and, uh, you know, Gary Kubiak's son. Um, And then the 49ers and the Kyle Shanahan, that was uh, very, very important. So it's important to be able to run outside the tackles, one, just... That's more that teams have to respect, you know, the more that you can do, you know, not just running up their gut. You know, if you can, if teams have to, you know, play you out on the outside, it changes the way a defense, you know, uh, fits up their run game, you know, uh, changes the way they bring their safeties. So that's important. But to be a better play action team, um, and that's why I did it specifically to the right, it's because not all play action is created equal. You know, the 49ers, the Vikings play action is much more effective because they have the threat of those outside runs, which means you have running linebackers flowing instead of up and then having to get back, you know, if you're doing just a play action up the gut, they're flowing from side to side and getting them out of place. So not only are they just moving forward, they're moving forward and to the side, and that allows for crossing routes on the backside. You know, whether it's, you know, if you're booting out of play action left or you're just flowing with play action right. So I looked at it. So the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the 49ers are the top three in those uh, frequency of those right-end runs. Now, the Chiefs get a, uh, a lot of too high treatment, and so they're not maybe the best indicator of this. But play action yards per pass. The 49ers were ranked third in the NFL. 
The Vikings were ranked fourth, only after the Rams. That makes sense. Surprisingly, guess who the second most uh, play action uh, yards per play in the NFL was? The Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay, yeah. Which was was pretty uh, surprising. So, again, as the Giants trying to move into some more zone uh, running, which, again, Feliciano may not be the best, but the center is the least important part of that. As they get athletic uh, guards, Josh Suzuto, they get Mark Lewis, who's got run run game uh, experience, or is good in the run game. Evan Neal, who can really seal off the edge and move with that size. That is something that the Giants specifically, I think, need to get better at offense, is... Getting better at those outside runs, outside zone runs, not just simply for the running, but to have more effective play action. You know, I I wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, there is no easy plays with this offense. And especially, I I think, just the lack of a run game overall uh, with the Giants, uh, it it kills the offense. Because, I mean, forget it. You know, forget having a, a run game that can get you four or five yards a pop. You know, when you have a running game that you're so often tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage, I mean, that just derails an offense. So if, if you do want to run on a first and 10, um, if you do want to run on a second and long, which isn't a smart move, but more often than not, the Giants wanted to run on a second and long. I mean, it just ruins a drive. It ruins a drive on an offense that just was not efficient at all. And if you can get some bigger plays out of those outside zone runs with Saquon Barkley and company, Matt Breida. Um, can really, I think he can bring that element as well to be uh, success outside. in that wide zone scheme. Yeah, yeah, with forty with the Forty ers and uh, and the Bills a little bit. So Matt Breida has the experience in that. So I'm hoping if he's going to be used at all, I mean that's where he's used on those outside zone kind of runs. And we we know that when we had Jordan Ron on here two years ago, um, he talked about at the start of the 2020 season. That's what Jason Garrett, at least in theory, that's what he wanted to roll out. Um, and they just couldn't because of the personnel on the offensive line. But I, I'm kind of done with the excuse of personnel on the offensive line. Don't let the offensive line limit you what you want to do schematically. We're at a point where the Giants' offensive line isn't perfect, but it is much better where it was in 2019, 2020, and 2021. Don't let the don't use the offensive line as an excuse to not do something schematically. Let's see what we got. Well, now you got Evan Neal who can move well in the run game, can seal seal guys off. Hopefully, Bellinger can develop as as a good blocking tight end. Again, there, there might be some growing pains early with him. And then, uh, you know, how well does Jeremiah Hall work out? You know, like we know he can move and get out there. How well is he, will he work as a blocker out there? Although I do think Jeremiah Hall will work better in that outside, you know, that wide zone blocking compared to the power up the gut, you know, head up with a linebacker or crash or, you know, uh, kicking out a defensive end, I do think he'll be better out in, in space compared to uh, in in gap scheme. So that so you, know, so you know, creating those explosives out of the run game, getting uh, you getting out on the corners in the run game, but also part of that again is play action is better out of the wide zone than it is other place. You know, yes. because you have you know uh, you have linebackers and safeties flowing east to west instead of just now uh, you know north and south. You know, so it's like you got it. You got it. Like you got to get out on your horse and get there. Or you're going to get sealed off, and they're going to get a 25 yard run. Whereas when it's up the gut, it's just a lot different. So you get those line. You know, it's just kind of pictured in your head. You're running play action outside zone to the right. Well, that linebacker's in, and so now you have two wide receivers to the left. You say you got a you know a two by two set. You got those two wide receivers, uh, you know, flowing. You got one on an over route, the inside guy, and then one on a deep post. 
and you know the right the right wide receiver on a go ball and now if it's cover three you got something under you know underneath towards the seams it's just it just makes those plays much more effective and that's why you've seen guys like Kurt Cousins and Jimmy Gar- you know Kurt I Cousins- was just about to say like it's not a coincidence that you have uh, I'll use a phrase that the kids use mid you have mid quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, even though Kirk Cousins is much better than Jimmy G. Yeah, much better. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably a bad quarterback. Kirk Cousins is like a, a decent quarterback. But I mean, it's not a coincidence that those two guys have gotten a lot of money and they've had a lot of success in systems that do that because then the yards per attempt. And you also see like in the explosive play rankings at the end of the year, you see the Vikings and the 49ers are up there. Well, it's like, why? They don't really have that great of that great of or that great of quarterbacks. But it's because the schemes are able to create space for the quarterbacks to kind of just dump a ball in. And it just it's easy for those guys to complete passes for big plays. Yeah, it's a if you can do it well, it changes the way teams have to fit up their run game. It changes how they have to be, you know, aggressive or passive as you know their linebackers are bringing their safeties up, and it just puts guys open in space. Like let's get Kadarius Tony wide open on an over route, and instead of him having to beat, you know, seven guys to make an explosive, how about he beats have to beat one or two guys to make an explosive? Yeah. So uh that's the type of stuff i would like to see is being better at essentially at running outside the tackles wide zone um and then in fact making the play action game more effective and better awesome for it totally agree diversifying the offense what is what is um my next area improvement guys is the way that you buy tickets oh yeah Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. A lot of events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, figure it out. They're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. We got the app on our phones. I do have it on my phone. So I have to admit that I I got a new phone recently and has, um, I think, 128 gigabytes on it. But my old wow. phone had 32 gigabytes. So I would have to delete the SeatGeek app every single time after I bought the tickets. And then when I need to buy tickets, I'd re-download it. But now it's on my phone and it's on my phone for good. So I'm never going to use all that, all those gigabytes. Um, so my, my phone usage life is a lot easier. So, but it's, if, if you know, if do what you got to do to get it on your phone, whether it's football, concerts, basketball, baseball, festivals, or more, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure you are getting good deal. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Don't worry, we've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Code GIANTS for $20 off your first uh, SeatGeek order. Speaking of tickets and going to events... You tweeted it. I tweeted out the dates that they happened in the past. The Bills tweeted out 12 open practices. I'm really antsy to get the schedule for Giants training camp. Yes, I am too. I mean, every year I'm I'm antsy for it. Because also, they're probably going to do it ticketed again because they can't just open it to the public. They can't. And that is one thing that it sucks, but I get it. Um, We're going to have to have a few people like on at the same time and coordinate like we're going to need like three tickets for every session well i think you can get like i think you get like an opportunity to get four for each session you know so we'll do that um but also a lot of so that does suck is because 
because they're free, everyone just gets them at first. And, and they're all like, immediately, and then, I'll, they're, and then you're I'll done. I'll figure it out. But us, license plate guy, we try and do our best to, if people aren't using them, to be like, hey, you know, like, this guy has four tickets to this, you know, this training camp. So we try, if you, if, you know, when you do get them and you don't need them, you know, tweet at us, tweet at license plate guy, and we'll, we'll usually be able to do that. Um, one other reason why is, so... One of my favorite bands is Slightly Stupid. Sure. That's what you are. Wow. That was mean. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I, I don't care. It's, I love that band. So here's the thing. They are literally in my... And my city is not a big city, but they are in my city on August 5th. So I was a little depressed. I was like, man, that's going to be... I'm going to be in New Jersey. You're probably going to be it. up here. Yeah. But on July 30th, they're going to be in Asbury Park, New Jersey on a Saturday. Wow. Okay. So, Stone Pony? Yeah, Stone Pony. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so I'm hoping that they open it up before then, because I would love to get to that concert on that Saturday. I feel like July 31st is a, is a sweet spot for having camp open. 100% is. It's a sweet spot. Yeah. Well, I look at some other ones and they opened it like July, in the July 20s. So at, at first when I looked at their tour dates, I was like, man, I'm just going to miss them like two times. I'm literally going to get there to Jersey right after they're in Jersey and I'm going to leave Florida right before they're in my hometown. So. You gonna make um, me go to a slightly stupid concert? I don't care who goes. I'll go by myself if I have to. Wow! Um, you take the van. I will take the van. I literally will. Like I can't wait to drive that freaking van around. Um, so we'll 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 see. Maybe maybe I'll get a group of uh, slightly of stupid Giants fans. Right? Yeah, slightly stupid Giants fans. So, which is basically um, all of us. Mm. All right, Justin. What is your offensive area for improvement? So I spent a lot of the day looking at numbers, and I'm not sure if they're totally right. I have a reason as to why they're – I have a theory as to why that they're wrong. But I'm going to go to an area that Giants fans are probably screaming at the top of their lungs. Well, you have to say this. You have to say this. And that is red zone, red zone efficiency. And I mainly want to talk about just the lack of ability the Giants had last year at getting the ball to key contributors – in the red zone, at least according to sharp football stats. And if it's wrong, then screw them. Not me. Out of all the games that Daniel Jones played. So what did Daniel Jones play? Uh, 12, 13 games last year. 11, 11, ten, 10 and a half. When you consider Dallas, he missed half the game. So 10, 11 games that he played. Who was the giants leader in red zone targets last year? Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Shouldn't be right. Right. Shouldn't be. Um, Kyle Rudolph had eight. Kenny Galladay had four. This is when Daniel Jones was quarterback. Um, if you were to say that, I don't, you know, Daniel Jones getting hurt is somewhat expected, but through 11 games of Daniel Jones as quarterback, that Kenny Galladay has four red zone targets, um, that's that's bad. That's really, really bad. And, and they weren't you, even great targets. No, no. And if you and if you break down, well, hey, Justin, they're 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 running the ball well inside the red zone, maybe, right? Well, here are the Giants rushing touchdowns inside the red zone by quarter from weeks 1 to 18. First quarter, 1. Second quarter, 1. Third quarter, 0. Fourth quarter, 5. Scored a lot of rushing touchdowns in the fourth quarter in garbage time. Um, so so great so great on them. So not even Saquon Barkley is not getting the ball often inside the red zone. Kadarius Toney not getting all that often. Kenny Galladay, the guy that we signed, to even Kyle Rudolph. I mean, if there was one thing that we were expecting him to do well, it was just get the ball in the red zone and, you know, 
maybe we don't even know if they if they were just bad players in the red zone, but they just were never given the opportunity to be good in the first place. And that's why you put a lot of money in Kyle Rudolph. It's why you put a lot of money in Kenny Galladay. It's why you draft Saquon Barkley second overall. So they're, you know, when you're down inside that 20-yard line, inside the 10-yard line, inside the 5-yard line, their performance inside the 5-yard line was much worse on a success rate than it was from the the 5 to the 20. Um, it's why you put a lot of investment in these guys, and they were really, really bad last year, and their red zone uh, touchdown rate last year was worst in the National Football League. You want to know who was best? Who was best? Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills, right? Yes. W- weren't the Kansas City Chiefs second? Kansas City on a red zone, they were 11th. Oh, okay. But, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you can twist that into, hey, scoring in the red zone, maybe they were second. So there's a whole bunch of different stats you can look at inside the red zone. And so as part of, like, it's bad scheme, like, and I have proof of that. Um, and then part of it is players with talent, ta- you know, the skill guys, and part Daniel Jones. And then the part where it melts together perfectly is the red zone fade is one of the least efficient plays in the NFL. Um, it's like there's numbers on it that you it is just not as effective as running another a different type of you know just different types of plays or handing the ball off. Pair that with Daniel Jones is an accurate QB, except for he doesn't know how to he just doesn't throw good red zone fades. No, like he's just not good at it. If he you know you throw a slot fade from 50 yards out. He can put beautiful placement on it, but the red zone fades. I don't know what's in it, but he just has a bad like he's a, he does a bad job throwing those. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a mental blow. Like I don't know why. It's it's not. It's like he he's just got a. I don't know if he's never had it or, like guys, but he's just he doesn't know how to just like throw it up and and let the guy make the play. Like he's always trying to throw the ball perfectly, and that leads to bad red zone throws. Yeah. So that's I. Outside of explosive plays, and maybe you, maybe you can even make an argument for more. I mean, what 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 do you think? The thing that you want to see more of an area of improvement in red zone efficiency, or just more explosive plays. Red zone efficiency, because you mentioned even with uh, the Giants moved the ball pretty well for a good portion of the season last year, and they yeah, just weren't the able to convert in the red zone. Here's the Daniel Jones stat: How many touchdown passes did he have this past year in eleven games? Nine. Ten. Ten. How many did it have the year before in 14 games? 12. 11. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know how many red zone touchdowns he had in 12 games in 2019? Um, well, he had 24, right? 24 total. So I'm going to go with 18. 10. 10. Oh, that was way more. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, I think 18 would have... Let me see. Let me look. 18 would have led the league by two. Oh. Um, so, uh, but, but 10. He had in twelve games. He had ten red zone touchdowns. So again, that's part that, that is part scheme. That is part Daniel Jones. Um, you know, you know Daniel Jones was like he was really good in the red zone at Duke. Really good in the red zone his rookie year, and then the year two it was bad. And this past year, um, even though his QB rating might be all good, the converting it into touchdowns was really bad. Um, you know, so and and it was like on a like Dan, and high completion percentage in the red zone doesn't always mean good red zone a good red zone offense no like Dan, daniel jones like like red zone completion let me actually i'll find it so that's why i actually like to look at success rate which sharp football stats uh you know they 
for for how sketchy some of their numbers are. Um, I like looking at successful play rate inside the red zone better than like completion rate or yards per attempt because it's so tough when you you know if you have five yards to go if you get four it's no good it's not a it's not a successful play and it's the same thing with a running play yeah four yards per attempt looks good but if you're not getting that touchdown that you need on that third and goal then it's bad so that's why I like looking at that I only like looking at successful play rate inside the red zone because I don't really know what it fully means from the twenty yard line to the twenty yard line right. Um, did you so find yeah, what I mean, you were looking for? I was buying time for you. No, you, you, he completed at year 48% of his passes um, in the red zone, which obviously like, oh, 48% of your passes is bad. Um, but it's, it's about converting it to touchdowns. And that yeah. was the mindset. You know, that was a polar opposite mindset from Pat Shermer to Jason Garrett. When Pat Shermer got to the 25-yard line, it's like, all right, let's get this ball into the end zone. Jason Garrett, let's let's get this ball to the 14-yard line. Yeah, and you know, Peyton Manning and then, talked about that on uh, Manningcast. Uh, I really liked watching Manning cast when the Giants weren't playing because that meant I could learn something and I can just watch it peacefully and not angrily. And <laughs> Peyton Manning would always criticize, you know, to court, whether it's quarterbacks or coordinators of, hey, when Peyton, you know, when Peyton got to the 10 yard line, pretty good quarterback to kind of model yourself after. When Peyton got to the 10 yard line, he's looking at the end zone, high to low reads, right? And that's what Bobby talks about all the time. He's looking high. He's looking how we, how I can get this ball in the end zone. And then I'm going to work my way down from there on my progressions if nothing's available. So uh, the Giants did not do that. No, they really didn't. You know, and that was the number when we talked about Daniel Jones touchdowns and stuff, I would do the film reviews every week. And something I always say is I would, I would say like, hey, if you are someone who does, you know, watch the film and stuff. And I said this as a challenge, like even to guys like Dan Snyder and Nick Flotta, who guys who I know do watch and stuff. I was like, find me the touchdowns that were there and were missed, you know. Um, and really, there wasn't many. You know, there was the Kenny Galladay one versus Tampa Bay. Yeah, it was the you biggest, know, that, most glaring one. That was And the only other one that was like really close was literally a four verts. But I remember on that film review, I think it was versus Carolina. And it was like, this is either he's getting strip sacked in his backswing or it's a touchdown to Evan Ingram. Like it was... It was one of those ones. So even that one was iffy, you know. There might be a couple other I'm missing, but I was like, "Find me the touchdowns that are there, and and they're and they're passing up on it for, you know, a check down or a misread on a play, and they just weren't there, you know. And that's a lot of scheme, and that's why, you know, I was listening to the athletic uh, football show with Robert Mays, who might be my like favorite NFL analyst out awesome. there right now. Um, and they were, I was actually, I didn't have anything to listen to, so I was catching up on some of theirs pre-draft, and they're talking about the Giants, and they're like. There's really no team that's going to have a bigger difference in their offensive scheme, like from good to bad, from bad to good, than the Giants, you know. And that's why that they could be like a team that is sneaky, like you know, sneaks into a seven seed or, or battling for a seven seed or something like that. Because a team that's running the most three tight end sets to a team that possibly is going to run the most four wide receiver sets. I don't think you can get as much dichotomous. There you go, buzzword, Justin buzzword, bingo. I don't think you can get as much uh, dichotomous as that right there. So, Right. All right, Justin, let's move to the defense. Sneeze. Unmute yourself. Damn it, I'm talking. Nope. Held it in, baby. All right, here's something I've got. Now, I don't have the perfect stats on this. Um, I actually asked our friend uh, Michael Luisi of PFF if he could get to them, but they're even locked from him, and he's a, he's a employee there. But I heard this reference, and... Giving a lot of love for someone, you know, for you're not supposed to promote other shows, but the NFL Athletic Show, and they're talking about the Giants defense last year, and how they were one of the worst teams in the league at in the run game, 
not necessarily just the run game, but yards before first contact in the run game. You know, so many like easy, easy runs, easy three, four yard runs. That's one of those things that maybe we can look up on Pro Football Reference. I tried finding everything. I well, couldn't you, find you, it. So what you have to do is you have to go, like Melvin Gordon got most of the carries, I think, week one against Denver. So you, then you would have to go Melvin Gordon advanced stats game log week one against the Giants and then yards before. I think they do track that. So I'll yeah. see if I can work on that. It's, it's just you. then you have to do it for every single team. I know, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the thing that sucks. But go ahead, keep going. But just trust me, bro. They were bad at it. So yes. let's look at it. Um. So I, again, so essentially, big picture is being less inviting and less easy runs for the defense. It's like, well, the secondary is going to be bad. I want to talk about that. Um, the Giants to- total in the NFL, as far as rushing, were twenty third in yards per carry, which again isn't good. It's the bottom half of the league, but it's not like you know, it's not like the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders where it's like it's just totally tormenting you. Even though there was some really bad run, run defense games. So I want to look at I got Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale's secondary was torn up. They gave a lot of passing yards. But Wink and the Ravens uh, were the second best in the NFL at stopping the run last year as far as yards per carry. And I think we talk, I think sometimes we forget when we have the Wink Martindale conversation of how his defenses fell off last year. You know, they were still the 19th ranked scoring defense in the NFL. Yeah, there was a really the only area in which they were super, super, really, really bad was the the explosive play rate that through through the passing game through the passing game. And I'm looking right now on Football Outsiders, thirty second in passing. The Ravens defense was the fourth best against the run last year, and then they were the third worst against the pass. So it really, I mean that that's where the dichotomy was present. But then it it, it brings up the question. I don't want to I don't want to just derail you, but it brings up the question of. What is more important to stop in the NFL? Is it more important to stop the pass or is it more important to stop the run? I think you have to take a, in, a, a, into account what your personnel is and that the Giants have a bad secondary. You know, they're not going to have a good secondary this year. No matter, you know, they might have a couple good secondary players with Adore and Xavier McKinney if those guys are able to stay healthy, but they're not going to have a good secondary. And I'm going to use the Bucks as an example who had a bad secondary for the majority of last year, had Richard Sermon playing games and then got hurt. Like it was a bad secondary for a big portion of the season. Um, so again, the Ravens had the 19th scoring defense at the NFL. Again, with bad personnel out there. So I think that if, if the Giants have the 19 scoring D, that's a success for Wink Martindale this year. The Giants last year, who we were happy with Patrick Graham, even though they had some guys, had some key injuries, but they had the 23rd scoring D. So with the 15th, they, but they are the 15th best team in the NFL at stopping, uh, stopping the pass or total passing yards. So here's my point is that. Not being a team that you just we gotta stop the run all game. Not that you know, not Dave Gettleman like oh you know in this in this game you gotta stop the run and run the ball. No, but first and ten, second and seven plus. Do not let being rushing running the ball be a good option for teams. Okay, like you know, and that means having an extra man in the box. Don't giving them favorable run fronts. Make them pass the ball at times. Because guess what? As much as the secondary is bad, giant teams aren't going to complete every single pass. There's going to be when we play some great QB that it'll feel like it. We play Green Bay, but not every team is just going to complete every single pass against this bad secondary. So when you get a good first down or, or a second down, don't let them get into third and two by giving them an easy run. And again, look at the Bucks. The Bucks had a really bad secondary, but they were fifth in points per game. They stopped the run. They were the best team, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, I thought is stopping the run. They were third in total. They were third in uh, total yards, but they uh, 
17th in yards per carry, but that was because teams just didn't run the ball against them because they didn't give teams the chance to, to run a ball to them. So again, teams, and again, teams want to run the ball. Teams don't want to run the ball no, like crazy. Yeah, they, they want to, yes. But they want to run the ball. Handing the ball off is a very, if you can hand the ball off with success, offensive coordinators want to do that. They want to do it. And so, they did it last year against the Giants. Yes. So what I'm saying is teams are going to want to run the, run the ball. Don't let it be an easy option for them. Your secondary is going to be weak. So again, you don't have to sell out and just like this is good. We're going to be the top three and run defense. But with the way this secondary is, put an emphasis on stopping the run. Be good at have something that this defense is good at. Okay. Give yourself chances to win games. Give, you know, yeah, well, there may be some bigger plays. There may be some more explosives. But, you know, just like, you know, playing the cover two, cover four, you know, make a make the QB make a mistake. They're going to make mistakes when you blitz and stuff like that. So that is basically giving them less favorable run fronts. When it's second and seven, don't let it be an easy rundown for them. Make that have to if they if, you know, they want to really run the ball. They want to be the Tennessee Titans. They want to run the ball in second and seven. Make it because that's what that team does. Don't make it an easy op, uh, option for them because that's what happened to the Giants and that helped teams get down the field on them. So, again, and I just want to point out this, and, all, you know, this Wink Martindale had a bad year last year. Well, guess what? His defense was ranked 19th with the 32nd and was dead last in passing yards allowed. Dead last in passing yards allowed, and they had the 19th scoring defense, and that is what it is about at the end of the day is scoring points. You know, and the Giants, who we, again, I was impressed with Patrick Graham last year, even though there was some bad moments, had the 23rd scoring D when they were the 15th best at stopping the pass. So, again, big picture, put it in one sentence. Don't be as inviting to run the ball and give teams less easy runs. And that's one of the main reasons why teams were able to just sustain drives last year too. Just sustain drives, sustain drives, sustain drives is because the, you know, they saw that, all right, we're not going to have Jabril Peppers in the box. And that was a criticism that, that you had last year. Like where, like, first of all, why is Jabril Peppers not on the field? Second of all, why is he not being used in the box? And why is he being used solely as a man coverage safety? He's not the, it's not that he's bad in that role, but he's not the best at it. So, you know, changing Jabril Peppers role from the 2020 season, um, it resulted in a worse run defense and also losing Blake Martinez. I mean, that's that's a huge element. Yes, factor. Blake, Blake Martinez will be a, a, just an automatic improvement to this. Um, too. So that's that's part of it too. Losing Blake Martinez really did hurt pa- yeah. what Patrick Graham wanted to do. Um, so again, it's just don't make it don't make it an easy run. You know, I, I'm not asking for us to allow 3.9 yards per carry. I don't care if it's 4.3, 4.4, but make those 4.3, 4.4 have to be due to big blocking, like good good blocking, not just easy runs. And that's what the Giants' defense did: is they allowed easy runs last year. The Giants were the worst rushing defense in the National Football League, according to DVOA, which is an efficiency metric. So I don't know if what I don't know what the raw numbers of yards say, but um, they were the worst. Twenty third in yards per carry. Well, then if you wanna, if you if you like narratives, then you can say, oh, on an efficiency basis, the Giants' defense were the worst, and then you can say that to all your friends. So there you go. Wink Martindale was almost the best, and the Ravens. What uh? What is your defensive? Well, actually, read an ad, or actually, yeah, I'll. No, right, you could read an ad. Yeah, I'll I'll read an ad. Bobby Skinner. So a lot of people have been talking about how svelte I am. I believe that's the correct way to pronunciate it and to say it. 
And part of the reason why is because I am getting healthy with AG1 and Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I am a guy who wants to start off my day fresh. I want to get the vitamins, nutrition, and the nutrients that I need. I want more energy to boost me throughout my day. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, and probiotics to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It is recommended for professional athletes, which I know, Nick Gates, if you're listening to this, I messaged him on Instagram the other day because he posted a a picture of himself on a story because he took pictures. And I said, looking good, Captain. And he said, thanks, my boy. And I appreciated that. For every also, purchase, other note, I sneezed while you were reading the ad. Mm, I saw it and I wanted to comment on it. I hate not hearing you sneeze. For every purchase, we donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. I love that. Now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of water. It's one scoop of cup in a water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free a one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with the first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash giants. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash giants to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank you, Athletic Greens. Thank you. You know what I mean. Down with JPP. All right, Bobby, my area improvement on the defensive side of the ball um, has a lot to do with uh, the passing game. Yours was the rushing game. Mine was the passing game. So what I did, I had an, I have a nice little spreadsheet here, and for all 17 quarterbacks that we faced this year, I charted their average time to throw. And I also charted their average time to throw on the season. My theory is the Giants basically let a lot of their opponents just sit back there in the pocket. They had a lot of time to throw, And that's one of the reasons why teams are able to just nickel and dime us down the field. They can just sit, 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 throw it to the the receiver, running back, tight end, whoever's open, boom, drives were able to be sustained themselves because the Giants just put no pressure on the quarterback. They had all day to throw. My theory was correct, Bobby. There were eight games last year out of the 17 that we played. Eight games last year where quarterbacks had more time to throw in the game that they played against the Giants than their average season time to throw. Eight games, that's a lot. Five games where it relatively matched the quarterback's time to throw when they played the Giants. It relatively matched their season. So that's 13 games out of 17 games this season that quarterbacks were either had more time to throw or their time to throw matched their season. So that's 13 out of 17. There were four games this season where the QB released the ball quicker than their average time to throw. That is not very good. Do you have those four teams off the top of your head? I'd be interested in hearing. Um, I should have wrote them down. Talk a little bit and I'll let you know. Uh, maybe it's the Panthers. I mean, we got a lot of sacks in that game. Um, One of them was of- the Cowboys, the second Cowboy matchup. Oh, word. One Lance of them was... that game. One of them was Tua Tagovailoa. 
And that doesn't even count though, because the Raider, the Tua just gets the ball out quick. It's it was well, it was two point three three seconds, and the season average was two point five two, which is insanely quick. And then Taylor Heineke, week two. Okay. I did say four, and I just gave you three. All right, that's fine. The other Go one, ahead. the other one was Matt Stafford, but that game like doesn't count since we got like blown out. Okay. There you go. I have some Ravens numbers on this exact stat. Go for it. So I did this for the last two years for twenty twenty for twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, and there's a very big dichotomy between the two years for the Baltimore Ravens. So out of seventeen plus six is twenty three. Thirty three. Thirty three games the last two years. There were seventeen games over the last two years that the QB had to release the ball quicker than their average time to throw when they played the Baltimore Ravens. That's very different from what the Giants said last year. There were six games where the time to throw relatively matched the average time to throw for the season when they played the Ravens. So that's 23 out of 33 games where quarterbacks were either releasing the ball quicker or about the same to their average time to throw from that season. There were 10 games where the time to throw was more when they played the Ravens. However, nine games in 2021. There was only one from the 2020 season where a quarterback had to hold on to the ball for longer than their average time to throw. 2020, good Ravens team, good Ravens defense. It was lights out. You had to get rid of the ball quicker than your average. 2021, they had to adjust. It was a little different. But expect this year with Wink Martindale, this area to improve, where quarterbacks are hopefully just not standing in the pocket with more than three seconds to throw and then dicing up this defense. That cannot happen this year. And I think both of our areas for improvement are what Wink Martindale is going to do, you know, and it's something that he's talked about, the players have talked, is like, we're going to bring, we're going to make you adjust to us compared to the other way around, you know, like where... And again, I love Patrick Graham. I think he did uh, not the best, but pretty damn good with what he had, especially in 2020, obviously. 2020, they they highly expe- exceeded expectations. Um, and I will say, Patrick Graham gets the best out of his players. Does he get, does he turn, you know, uh, you know, chicken shit into chicken uh, soup? No, but... Think about like good players. James Bradbury, best year of his career with Patrick Graham. Adore Jackson, Blake Martinez, um, you know, Xavier McKinney grew in there. Jabril Peppers had the best year of his career. Um, Leonard Williams. I want to know what happens. Like, what I understand the misevaluation of the edge room. I get it. Like, hey, uh, Aziz, or not Aziz, um, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez didn't pan out to what we think that they could. I get it. But what happened? What changed with Le- Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence? That That is an under under talked about point from the 2020 season. We have NFL people like Ben Albright, Google gaga over Dexter Lawrence film, Leonard Williams having a career year. And then the next year, they're basically both of them non-existent, except Leonard Williams like led the league in tackles amongst def- against amongst defense alignment. Um, they had to play more. They had the two gap more often. And their nose tackle was dog shit and True. at times with Danny Shelton. Um, and even Austin Johnson, who played pretty good, was nowhere near the nose tackle that Dalvin was. Um, so uh, that that's as far as the run game. And Dex, Dex, I'll just be honest. Like, I'm, I don't know if Dex is putting in <laughs> the work to be better, you know. Mm. Um, 
you know, so we'll see, and I'm not I'm not accusing him of that, but it's like he kind of alluded to that during one of his media sessions, didn't he? Yeah, he kind of was like, oh, I'm not really in shape right now, but that was <laughs> that was in April, so I give him a little yeah. slack for, for yeah. that. You got to get um, in camp shape. The so Giants again, averaged. Um, before I don't know you, where bef- I got no, off. No, bef- I'll get I'll get track. you back on track. I'm gonna get you back on track. Um, the Giants averaged 4.65 QB hits per game this year. That is fucking abysmal abysmal i am all for pass defense i am all for pass coverage and i'm all for pass defense first over over pass rush whatever but i mean there the game of football is a nuanced game and you do need multiple things to be going somewhat right to be successful on average if you're hitting the quarterback four and a half barely four and a half times per game that is really really bad and that is all defensive players i'm not just talking about the edge rushers the interior defense, I'm not just talking about the front set. I'm talking that is everybody. Everybody. Yeah, you know, pass rush ends drives where coverage helps sustain a defense throughout a season and throughout a full game. Pass rush ends drives, and I think that's something that Wink Martindale really believes in, and that's why he brings the pressure. Yep. Um, you know, he may not have the secondary in place for it to be. Again, this defense isn't going to be really good this year. Um, or maybe it'll be like, you know, 2020 where we said the defense isn't going to be very good and it ends up shocking us. But that's usually how that happens. And 2020, we were like, oh, the offense is going to be good. It can, hey, 2019, it was it was solid. Daniel Jones, second year. Shit. You know, that's that's usually how it works. So. And Jason Garrett's like, I'm going to destroy your whole life. Um, <laughs> that's what he did. So, yeah, bring in bring in the pressure to them. All right. Do we got anything else on areas of improvement before we go to giant stories? No, I really like that, and I thought we did a good job of not getting too complicated with stats, but also talking about areas in which the Giants need improvement, and it may not be that fully obvious. Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I like doing this episode, and it honestly kind of forces you to use your brain and think about things more in depth and than more than we might so uh, do in, in June. Um, and revisit like what happened with the New York Giants last year as you get ready. Um, before we get into the Giants stories. It's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in Major League Baseball. Should I go on a rant about how I hate baseball and, and why do they give us this baseball? Just kidding. No. New Got customers. Last time you did that. Yeah, and our, our uh, head of sales is going on maternity leave, so I don't want to put that stress on her. Um, new customer. I love DraftKings, and I, I kind of, I'm, I, you know what? I'm getting into baseball. Uh, the Yankees are really good, and I kind of have. They're too good. I know. So here's where I am with the Yankees. I kind of had a thought today. I'm like, man, I do love the Yankees. Like, don't get, you know, uh, I don't tweet it about it a lot. It's just not my lane. Um, but like, I would be like, I would, and they have kind of taken the life out of me where there's expectations the last four years and they have just fallen short consistently. Yeah. So I, I still am. And like, this is awesome what they're doing right now, but I want to see it in the playoffs. Be a stereotypical but- sports fan. I want to see it. I yeah, want to like see do it, do it in the do it when it matters, you know, um, and that that's real deal. But I am starting. I did kind of have like, man, a Yankees World Series would be sick, um, and it would make us a ton. You know, maybe it would just be like, hey, give us a raise, give us more money because the Yankees are yeah, good. bonus, um, Christmas pe- bonus, World Series bonus. People ask us like, how do you get a job with John Boys? Like, just do Yankees Twitter stuff. Get ten thousand followers on Twitter. New customers can bet just five dollars <laughs> in any game and get. in free bets no matter what. Win or lose. 
Looking to turn another small bet into a big uh, payday uh, this season. With DraftKings, same game parlays, you can do just that. By the way, the Mets are really good too. Like, I won a Subway Series World Series. You know how cool that was in 2000? You probably weren't as, like, uh, no, conscious of it. No, I don't it. know how cool that was. That was the coolest thing ever. Like, the, the Subway Series. And my family, my dad's one of eight kids. Our family's, like, split down the middle of Yankees and Mets fans. Create your own parlays by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total runs, extra innings, and more. And boom! You have a shot at an even bigger payout. Um, so, you know what, maybe, maybe you could do, it's not a same game parlay, but maybe you can do like a parlay of like Yankees and the Mets making some World Series. I don't wow. know. Right now, if you're saying game parlay doesn't hit, you can get a free bet back up to $10. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. New customers can make any $5 MLB bet and get $150 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code JOHNBOY only at DraftKings Sportsbook and its official sports betting partner in Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. Quick, who's going to win game six of the NBA Finals? Uh, Warriors are up 3-2. It's in Boston. Well, give me a game seven. Warriors. Yeah, that would be uh, not a game seven. Celtics. I'm think paying Celtics, attention. I think the Celtics are, are going to win tonight, and the Warriors will take it in seven. I'm paying um, attention. All right, Justin. So <laughs> let's uh, let's do giant stores, and we'll get out of here for the weekend. Sound good? We kind of got a, a big list because, you know, the vets aren't with the team anymore. Oh, wait. Leonard Williams. A lot of good ones. All right, play the freaking music Alex Bachman was scurfing Nico Lalos went to the Rangers game Ooh, but there is no more Rangers game oh, tough Graham Gano had a swim night and he found a baby deer Tay Crowder had his football camp Josh Azudu and DJ Davidson were fitted for suits Darius Slayton was at a car show Kenny Galladay was at a concert in Chicago all of the Giants rookies and a couple of vets were at uh, Summer Jam at MetLife Stadium. Khalil Dorsey was play- was legitimately playing baseball. Not like, you know, playing baseball to kids. Like wearing a uniform, running the base pass. Khalil Dorsey was. Saquon was golfing with... Guess which former Giant in Extreme Wind? Lawrence Taylor. Former Nittany Lion. Come on, this is he's a good friend of Saquon. But- he's a good friend of Saquon. I don't know. Grant Haley. Oh, fun. Miss him. Darian Beavers bought a Ram and made an Instagram for it if you want to follow it. And a then, Ram- like, it- wait, 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 wait. Uh, a Dodge Ram? Yeah, it's a Dodge Ram. I thought you actually meant like a Ram. Yeah, I don't think they're actually Dodge Rams anymore. I think Ram is its own thing. It's not necessarily Dodge anymore. Dodge likes to be weird. Is. Yeah, I don't get it. Dodge Ram was my first, like, real uh, truck. And then, of course, Leonard Williams is back to living his best life. He was in the Bahamas, caught a big fish, and then guess what? He let the locals cook it for him, and then he was feeding sharks. I mean, Justin, what piques your interest? Um, Graham Gano pool party, didn't get an invite, mad? Yeah. Graham Gano has, like, a lot of kids. I think he has five kids. Yeah, he does, because he made a joke of he wore number five for all of his kids. And ah, now he ha, ha, now nine. he's nine. Now he has to have four more. Um, so he's got a lot of kids. He, they've been popping them out, like, one after another. Um, you know how it, sometimes it takes an adjustment period to, like, oh, you've changed numbers. Like, Shep, not seeing him in 87, but the number th- changed to three was actually cool. So I guess the adjustment period wasn't that yeah, much. Yeah, remember last year I was, like, po- I posted a clip of Damian Willis, and I called it Sterling Shepard. I was like, damn it, I forgot he's not 87 anymore. 
there's not going to be there's zero adjustment for my eyes and my brain for Graham Gano to go from five to nine. It's like well, okay, yeah, that's just what you are. Well, one, he's a kicker, and two, he was worn number nine. In the, I mean, his Instagram name was Graham Gano nine. True. Um, true. Leonard Williams feeding the. They wrote tiger sharks in the Instagram caption. I don't know if they were just trying to fool people because tiger sharks are like, like top are you three. Of, and they they are like one of the three like sharks that bite humans the most. Yes. Um, but it was just nurse sharks. I have a story about nurse sharks. I was um snorkeling in the keys in a, sh- a shallow water reef when I was a kid, and I went around a piece of coral and was face to face with a nurse shark. And I've never swam so fast in my life, even though I was <laughs> it, it wasn't dangerous. And then my youngest brother, we were at a deep water reef some years later, and we saw some nurse sharks, and we pointed, like, look, that's cool, right? To, you know, my youngest brother, who was, I don't know, eight years old at the time, maybe, and he just sticks his head out of the water and shark, and literally (laughs) gets on some random people's boat. So we, to this day, he will never live that down. Do you know what summer, like, who was playing at Summer Jam? I mean, literally every Giants rookie was there. No. No, if I'm if I'm willing to guess, it's if if every Giants rookie was there, then like I bet that I wouldn't want to go. Yeah, I really want to go to this slightly stupid concert in Asbury Park. Maybe Shane the Muse a reggae head. Oh yeah, yeah. A word, some say. Word up. Um, so who would love to go? Who? Sandro. I have a goal to hang out with him. I've. Uh, we'll, I don't know if he wants to hang out with, with you. I mean, he. I mean, uh, is it a thing that when you like, like almost every single Instagram? There's people post, who do that on Instagram, though. They literally scroll through, tap, double tap, scroll through, double there's tap, part scroll of, through, double there, tap. There's part of me that likes to think that we have a connection. Speaking of which, we got to figure out what we're doing for the July Fourth episode. Speaking of connection, well, speaking of Sandro, because that's what oh. we did last year. Oh, we're gonna have a bleeding blue and. We'll uh, do one, but we got to figure our, our our special episode that we do every year. Hmm. I'm trying to fig- find something. Hmm. Oh, maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll do a 2011 America's Game review. That was a little reggae. For bleeding blue. No, that was rapping. Oh. Yeah, for bleeding blue. Because we're doing all... Maybe we could get Tolson on for that. Wow. That's a great idea. I think we may do that. Bleeding blue with... How long would... Let me... I wonder how long it would take the... We could just watch the condensed version. But we couldn't put it on the podcast after. It would have to be YouTube. No. We could literally download the, the condensed version of the Super Bowl. And use it on StreamYard and just watch the Super Bowl with Dave Tolson. You can't put you can't put any broadcast angles of anything on YouTube. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, we'll we'll figure something out. We'll we'll, we'll think about it out. It. we'll think about this weekend. And you know what? You guys should think about this weekend. Nothing. Enjoy it. Have a good time. Go to the beach. It's freaking record heats down in Florida, so I'm gonna get some beach time this weekend. So. And we're going to get ready for our way too early draft uh, week next week. So we're going to be looking at two QBs, by the way. We're not looking at Bryce Young and CJ Stroud because you all have your opinions on them already. Y'all. Anthony Rich- Richardson, I kind of like. And then Hendon Hooker, who there's things to like about him, but there's a lot of hesitations I have with him. But Anthony Richardson is fun. And he he's 
I can't wait to watch him this year because he really didn't get much playing time last year. So, um, so we'll 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 see it on Tuesday for that. Uh, so we appreciate you guys. Have a good weekend. Until Tuesday, let's go big blue. <laughs>